to go somewhere in the word today. So let's go to um, let's go to Ephesians chapter three. I'm learning some things. You know, that's the thing. I, I said, God, I don't even recognize me from a year ago. You might. But if, but if you knew me five years ago, you don't know me now. I mean, if you didn't spend some time with me, you, you thought you knew. No, no, I'm not the same person. There's, there's change. There's revelation knowledge coming. And there's things coming. There's an awareness of the Holy Ghost to the point where you're not going off somewhere to pray. You're just praying all day long. You, you know, you, it's just an attitude of prayer. It's like the Holy Spirit is right here. He's right here all the time. And when I'm conscious of him, when I'm aware of him, it causes everything that I do to be different. I barked at Nancy earlier today. You might be shocked to hear about that. I was. But, you know, but right away, I'm fixing it because, because he's here. And because I want, because I have some wants, I want everything that he has. I want a nation to be shaken for the glory of God. And I realize that it doesn't take an army to do it. It took 120 people in an upper room. It can take 120 people at 946. I'm telling you, it can. Were they specialists? Are you kidding me? Peter, James, and John, the sons of thunder, they, they were called that because fishermen know how to cuss. But like they didn't have some flowery speech. They had Simon Zeloti, Simon the Zealot, right? And I'm telling you, religious people would just get all bound up uh, just being around these guys. Matthew, the tax collector, known to be friends with har all the harlots in town. No, I mean, before his conversion, those were the only girls who would have anything to do with the tax collector because he was ripping off his own people. So they were not, I'm saying is they were... They were, I was going to say motley crew, but no, that's the, I couldn't use that word because they were motley. I'm saying they were, they were rough guys around the edges, but when they got a hold of the Spirit of God, or when the Spirit of God got a hold of them, matter of fact, they said, who are these guys? They're ignorant and unlearned men, right? That's what they said about them. You're ignorant and un unlearned. You know, it was uh, St. Francis of Assisi <laughs> was uh, walking through. I read, I read this just recently. He was walking through, walking through Rome, through the Vatican with the Pope when he was alive. And the Pope said, you know, looking at all the opulence, the Pope said, uh, we can't say we don't have any silver and gold now. But St. Francis said, yeah, but we can't say rise and be healed. You know, okay, you got the gold and the silver, but what what did what did it cost you to live in the natural world and neglect the things of the Spirit of God? It's kind of like Jesus saying, "It's expedient that I go away because you need the Holy Ghost, and you can't keep going back to me." Matter of fact, he said, "He said I've got." He said, "I've got things that I'd like to share with you, but I can't share them with you now because." Because he had to wait for Paul the Apostle to share them with us. It had to be the Holy Ghost to come to give all that revelation. So, you know, you, you've got the photograph in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but you got the x-ray when you start reading Paul's letters. And he's saying, 
He's saying, you need, to, you need the fruit of the Spirit. You need love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness, meekness and temperance, but you can't. I'll, I'll do this illustration one more time. It cost me on Sunday. It's going to cost me again. Larry, I'd like to give you 20 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know why I could give him 20 bucks? I had it. And so I think lots of times we're trying to give away what we don't have. In Ephesians chapter 3, we, we pray these verses. I was going to say every day, but we don't. We miss sometimes. But mostly we pray Ephesians 1 and 3 regularly. But I want to pick up in verse, uh, verse 16 that he would grant unto you. Hmm, title deed of it. Come on. According to the riches, not out of the riches of his glory, but according to. Out of means 20 bucks. According to means everything that he has. According to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might. How? By his spirit in the inner man. So when it gets in the inner man, it'll show up on the outer man. Trying to get it on the outer man to show up on the inner man is, is counterproductive. But that's so lots of times the way we deal with things. We, we want to take care of our physical body, but no, you're not. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is living in you. You are a spirit having a soul and living in a body. And we, got it, we even have that reversed. It's kind of like when you think about how God deals with us. It's God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But now when, when you reverse it to go backwards, it's the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God. And so if you don't have the Holy Ghost... No, but it's true. Like so much of the world, the church world thinks we don't need him. I remember one time a friend of mine got... got moved to a church in a certain location. And when they got there, they told him, we don't want you speaking in other tongues in front of the congregation, a praise and worship leader. We don't want to offend anybody. I'm telling you, I want to offend somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. It's not about offending. It's about who you're going to offend, him or them. Right. I choose them. Yeah. He's God. He's not some smoke that enters into a room. That's a manifestation of him, but that's not him. Hallelujah. Okay, we're going back to that again, aren't we? Okay. In your inner man, your inner man, you have an inner man. You are a spirit. You have a soul, a mind, a will, and emotions, and you're living in a body. But your, your body, when I, when I look out at the world, I, I use my five physical senses, taste, touch, smell, and feel, and all that. But when I look in the Holy Ghost, I take the word. I get the word. He, he, he said the Spirit searches all things. Yes, even the deep things of God. So if I'm over here, I'm all emotional. All I have to do is take a turn. All I have to do is turn away. And it's so easy today, turning away from social media and some of the things that are going on today and turn into the Holy Ghost. And he said, he got me into all the truth. He said, he said, the spirit searches all things. Yes. Even the deep things of God. So why am I looking over there? 
I don't even know the life that I'm missing because I'm looking over there in the natural realm when in the spirit realm there is exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think it's not materialistic. It's moving in the spirit of God. Amen. So he says that Christ will, verse uh, 17, that Christ will dwell in your heart by faith. Everything is done by faith. By faith. And faith is now. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is right now. He's a right now God. Hallelujah. Amen. That you'd be rooted and grounded in love. Not just influenced, but rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in 1 John 4, 15, God is love. 1 John 4, 18, mature love casts out fear. All of that powerful stuff that he told us. If you have any fear in your life, you don't need to go get drugs. If you've got anxiety and depression in your life, you don't need drugs. You need a revelation of the love of God. Shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. But look, look at what he says here. That it would be rooted. And that word rooted is the word rizzo. R-H-I-Z-0-0. Rizzo the rat. No, no. R- rooted. And it means to, ca- it's logical. It means to cause to take root. That you've got, when you're rooted, see, when you're rooted and grounded in love, when you're rooted and grounded in love, then the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, love, Joy. Notice it starts with love. Producing the joy and the peace and the long-suffering. You can't reverse that order. It's in order on purpose. That you're rooted and grounded in knowing that God loves me. Faith that works by love. Faith that gets energized by love. Knowing how much he loves me is vital to my existence. He loves me. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased before he ever did anything right or wrong. That's there for you to cause to take root. Then he says grounded, and that's the word themalion, and it means to a base, a foundation stone to, to put a, to put what you're going to build your house on. Like the man that dug, dug deep and laid his foundation upon a rock. And when, when the storms of life came in Luke chapter 6 and beat vehemently against his house, he's inside. He's inside being cool. Storm going on outside? No problem. Amen. But now, but rooted, I want to go back to Proverbs chapter 12. Because I just found this. Proverbs 12 and verse 12, the last part of the verse. But the root of the righteous yields fruit. And I never realized, I never thought about it this much before, but the fruit comes from the root. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you want and be done unto you. That abiding. I am the vine and you are the branches. And so, so I can bear the fruit, but I can't produce it. So therefore, if there's something wrong with my root system, I can't, like Pastor Paul and I talked there one, a few months ago, and we were talking about people that we knew over the, you know, over the years of ministry and how there seems to be people that are chronic, I, I don't like to use the word, 
You knew them 20 years ago, and they're still the same today. They're still waiting on the rapture of the church, dear God, looking for a paycheck, and they never even went to work yet. <laughs> you know, and, they, and they're stuck there, and no amount of, no amount of talking to them. It's almost like you're trying to reason with a spirit. And so, and so you watch them year after year, and, 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 you, and you just, you know, you just say, oh, God, they're missing so much freedom. When you know the truth, the truth makes you free. The more truth you know, the freer you become. And again, it's like we always use, a, I like to use apartheid in South Africa as an example, because Nelson Mandela brought deliverance, but they never, ever did get free. So, you know, getting born again, you're delivered from out of the authority of darkness, but the freedom doesn't come until you learn to think free. If you don't start thinking free, you'll be in bondage for the rest of your life. Right? And he said, don't be conformed to this world, but transformed by renewing your mind by the word of God. And so if you don't do that, if something is holding you back from doing that, you know, the Pharisees could quote scriptures all day long, but it didn't help them because it was, there was no rhema. There was no revelation of what they were saying. Anyway, um, he says, but the root of the righteous yields fruit. And I said, look at that. Fruit comes from the root. The wicked are snared by their lips, but the just come Come out of trouble. Why? Because you talk yourself out. You talk yourself out of trouble. And then, and then, and then, in verse fourteen, it almost sounds like Proverbs eighteen. He's saying the same thing: A man shall be satisfied with the good fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of his hand shall be rendered unto him. So, so, so let's go to Mark eleven. Now, Mark eleven talks about Bethany and Bethagy and. And uh, up on the other side of the Mount of Olives, up on the Moab Mountains. And um, Bethany means host of dates, host of figs, but it also means host of the poor. And so um, we're going to look at it w with that in mind as we read this today. Verse 11, and Jesus entered into Jerusalem. Now, this was the last week of his life, and he spent his nights over at Mary, Martha, and, and Lazarus' house. And by day he would come into Jerusalem. Matter of fact, in one of these times he, one of these times he, takes a couple hours and makes a whip. A, you know, a big whip, and the disciples are looking at him, saying, "Jesus, what are, what are you up to?" He said, "Well, I'm, I'm doing anger management." And so then they follow him, maybe because they haven't seen Jesus like this before. Maybe they're following from a little distance, wondering what he's up to. Then he goes into the temple, flips over tables, whips people, chases them out. People don't like that Jesus, and that Jesus is never preached anywhere today. It's kind of like we've got verses that we like because we want to reach the masses, but, but when somebody causes division and strife among you, it says, mark that person and have nothing to do with them. There's, I don't know many Christians that would actually do that. Oh, brother, love, you just got to love them. That is love. It doesn't look like love. It doesn't feel like love. It seems mean. But God taught that. He taught that. But we have our favorite verses that, 
but we wouldn't have liked him going into that temple. Jesus, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Knocking over tables and the money changers. Just it, matter of fact, it's coming up here. I just wanted to give you a little prelude to it, but you know, it's it's getting ready to happen. <laughs> so in verse twelve, it says, "And in the morning, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry." Well, if you don't know it, everything is tied to your appetite. I take pictures of food now and send them to, to send them to Paul and Joey and stuff, right? Stuff that we smoked. Matter of fact, if you don't smoke food, every, it gets real boring, the other stuff, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But everything is tied to appetite. That's why in the Garden of Eden, you can't eat that. And so Jesus is coming along, and Jesus is hungry. Aren't you glad to know that he got hungry? And seeing a fig tree afar off. Now, there's a whole bunch of teaching you could do on the fig tree that's afar off and how it represents the nation of Israel and, and other things that it represents there. But let's just, let's, just take, let's just take a little gold out of it for right now. Seeing the fig tree afar off having leaves, he came looking that he might find f f something on there. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for the time of figs was not yet. Well, I'm thinking, if the time of figs is not yet, what are, you, what are you looking for figs for? But then I found out that there's something called a touch that is uh, the, uh, the prelude or the forerunner figs that would come when the leaves came out. And when the leaves came out, these forerunner figs, this is what they do. They come out and uh, the poor people eat them, you know, and, but when they come out, they're sweet and they're small and they come out and sniff the atmosphere. And if it, if, if, it, and, and all the, all the green, all the, the leaved fig trees do that and they sniff the atmosphere. And if the weather's not right, they send the message to the root not to grow the fig. Yeah. And so, and so, and so this will take us someplace else here in a minute. So he was looking for the starter figs, for the forerunner figs, for the touch. And Jesus answered and talked, Jesus talked to a tree. Jesus talked to a tree in public. You talked to your car one time, I saw you. Spoke a blessing on it, wouldn't, wouldn't start. Might have even kicked it. I don't know. Jesus answered and said, Jesus answered. So the fig tree was telling him something, not giving you anything to eat. <laughs> he answered the fig tree. <laughs> Hallelujah. He answered the fig tree, said, no man eat fruit thereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. So he said it loud enough for at least 12 people. I don't know how many people were with him at this particular day. This was near the end of his ministry. There might have been 70 or 80. I don't know. But they heard what he said. Hallelujah. So when you look at it there, there was, it, it, it's, well, let's read on. Then he goes in and overthrows all the tables. We don't need to read about that. We, the seats of those that sold dove. But get the picture in your mind sometimes because, because, Jesus demonstrates love by correction, bringing correction. But correction is direction. It's not to destroy you. 
And he was trying to teach these people that they had turned the church, the synagogue, the, the temple into something that it was not designed for. They were using it to, for profit. And people were coming and getting ripped. Like when you read the history from Alfred Edersheim and people like that, if, if, you, if you came from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, like the, like the guy on the chariot that Philip preached to, you'd have to come over there and you can't bring your lamb to sacrifice from Ethiopia all the way to Jerusalem. So you're going to have to buy one when you get there from the, from the Pharisees. Well, let me tell you, if the, if the, if the lamb was a hundred bucks, you're going to pay about 2000. Like you were getting shaken down everywhere you went. Then you had to convert your money to their money. And that was another shakedown. So Jesus was, uh, when he said, be angry and sin, not let the, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. He wouldn't say, make up with your wife before bedtime. He was saying, be angry and don't quit being angry at the things the devil's doing. Well, I don't agree with that. It didn't matter. I just told you what I thought. So, <laughs> verse, Let's pick it up in verse, um, verse 20. And in the morning they came back and they passed by the fig tree and it was dried up from the roots. So when you speak to cancer, just because it doesn't leave, you don't see any symptoms changing. It's drying up from the roots. When you, and, and again, when you use your faith, it took 24 hours for this fig tree to dry up. But my Bible says, your Bible says in Isaiah 41, that he'll make you into a new, sharp, threshing instrument, having teeth, and you'll thresh the mountains and beat them small. You'll turn the hills into chaff, and the wind will carry them away, and a whirlwind will scatter them, and you rejoice in the Lord. And in the Holy One of Israel. But he's talking about you mashing it down, not, not chucking it away in one day. So sometimes you just have to keep mashing. No, keep slamming. Keep slamming because he said he always causes us to triumph in Christ. There's no losing in us. Hallelujah. I got about a two-hour message here. I'm not going to get it done, am I? Okay. So there was no fruit, so he cursed it at the root. Peter called and remembered and said, Lord, the fig tree that you, that you spoke to is dried up and withered away. Jesus answered and said, have faith in God. Well, there's all kinds of ways that you can look at that, but for tonight we're going to look at lay hold of God's faithfulness. Get a hold of God's faithfulness. He's faithful. Faithful. And then, then Jesus goes on, and again, this is the last week of his life. And so he's going to tell you something that's most important. Don't you save the best till last? So he wants to tell you something that's very important. He, he wants to tell you that faith, 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 faith is saying. Faith is speaking. You are a speaking spirit. If you don't talk it, it won't happen. So he says here, Verily I say unto you, whosoever will speak, say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and not doubt in his heart, because of the abundance of your heart, you most speaks, 
Not doubt necessarily, but believe the things that you say, saith will come to pass. That man will have whatsoever he saith. So that tells me that whosoever can have whatsoever, and it's, it's me having my believer hooked up to my speaker. We have the same, it's, it's 2 Corinthians 4, 13. We have in the same spirit of faith. J, David believed and he spoke. We also believe and we also speak. David was in a dire situation and complaining about everything, but then he gripped a hold of himself and said, wait a second now, I've got the spirit of faith. How did I get the spirit of faith? Well, first, first I killed a lion and then I killed a bear and I was scared out of my mind both times. But by the time I got rid of the lion and the bear, Goliath was nothing to me. I learned to be content. I learned by going through things that I was getting stronger and my enemy was becoming weaker. I was learning that all things work together for my good when I step out of the boat and begin to walk, hallelujah, on the water, or when I stand up in the middle of the ship and say, peace be still in the middle of a storm. The storm can't sink you. What you say can. So he said, then, then he said, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believing you receive them, they shall be delivered in unto you. Hallelujah. So when, when he says, say, it's the word epo, E-P-O, and it means to command. When you get to the word saith, it's the word lelu, uh, L-A-L-O-O, and it means to declare your thoughts. To declare your thoughts. And so lots of times you declare your thoughts. But my Bible says in Mark, Matthew chapter 6, take no thoughts saying, what shall we eat? What shall we wear? What shall we put on? Those are bad thoughts. Those are devil thoughts. That's not the thoughts you take and speak. You speak life and that more abundantly, right? But again, but again, you need to think about this too. If what, you're, if what you were going to experience in life was all up to God, he would have never written Mark eleven twenty three. And if the mountain was his will to be in your life, he'd have never told you to speak to it and have it removed. So lots of times we think, oh God, what are you going to do? God said, I've already equipped you. Hey, come on, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? Another thing too, that there's no mountain within the sphere of your influence that you can't move. If you can see it and he put it there, then you can move it. He's given you the power to move it. Again, why would he wait till the very last week of his life? Well, it's like the law of confession. We talked about that the last time, last Sunday, I think. The law of confession, your words, your words move things. It's a law. Your words move things. Always move things. <laughs> Where am I going to go now, Lord? Okay, let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. I've got to go at least that far. Just give me a couple more minutes. I, I'll leave the other verses alone. Um, how about, we'll pick it up in verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Look diligently, lest any man fall from the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many are defiled. Lest you be like the fornicator, that profane person Esau, who for one morsel of bread sold his whole birthright. 
What's he saying here? He's saying that if you get a root of bitterness and it gets down in you, you can't produce the fruit, the love, the joy, the peace, the love. You're trying to love people. You're trying to be nice to people. You're trying to, to do things right. And you keep failing at it because of the, the root of bitterness. You know, who knows how it got in there? You know, some people it's like, you know, and again, I use divorce as an example because I've met people in my Christian walk that, you know, 20 years later, they still identify themselves as I'm divorced. No, no, that was an event. It's not your life, you know, but if the, what happened in that, what happened in that situation, uh, put bitterness in you and you got that root down in there, you struggle with, with your, with all of your Christian walk. Wonder why can't I get free? But again, I like to point out bitter and better. All it requires is a vowel movement. I know it sounds funny, but it, but, but it's, it's like, how do I, how do I, how do I get this bitterness out of me? Back in Ephesians chapter 3, be rooted, start putting your roots down in love. Study the love of God and how he feels about you. Don't go reading verses that about the angry God. <laughs> no, no, you need to know the love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. You need to study Romans chapter 5. I have been justified by faith, and I've got right standing with God and my Father through my Lord Jesus Christ. I'm right with God even when I'm wrong on the planet. He loves me. He's just to forgive my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Like I, Pastor Paul mentioned Psalm 103. You know, he forgives all my iniquities, heals all of my diseases, delivers my life from destruction, and crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercy, satisfying my mouth. <laughs> my youth is renewed like a beagle. <laughs> no, an eagle. Yeah, yeah, an eagle. Hallelujah. That, th 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 those are things that David, David said, soul... Mind, will, and emotions, soul, bless the Lord. Why? Because he's forgiven your iniquities. And he's healed your diseases. And he's still doing it. He's delivered your life from destruction. David, soul, wake up. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Get up. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. That's things that you can do. Don't get, don't, if you're feeling bitter, you got to get it, you got to, you got to pull the root out. Go back and find out how it got planted and start forgiving there. That's Mark eleven twenty five. 25. You know, he said, forgive those that have done you wrong. If you don't start there, Mark eleven twenty three and 24 won't work either. He said, if you don't forgive, I can't forgive you. I can't forgive you. I want to forgive you, but I can't because you got that bitterness. You got offended. Something offended you in church. And so instead of Psalm 1 being a tree planted by the rivers of water, that's another thing in the North American church. Some people have been in 25 churches by the time they've been, you know, 20 years old in the Lord. I don't like it here. I'm yeah, and away you go. Upset with some, but you take that mess wherever you go. See, I'm a I'm a container. 
My Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, that I have a treasure in an earthen vessel. What I put in, I carry with me. If I put bitterness in me, I'm going to take it with me wherever I go. If I put love in me, I'll take the love with me wherever I go. But can't allow, you know, you can't allow those things to get in you. You know, know you not, you are the spirit of God. You're the spirit of God. Guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues, the boundaries of your life. Guard your heart with diligence. Don't allow that uh, stuff to get in there. I got one more verse. Keep getting one more, doesn't he? (laughs) Okay, Jude 1, you know, verse 4 is very good because I watched this in my own life a few years ago. I've seen it. I've seen it. You've seen it. If you've been a Christian for a while, you've seen it. Look at this. For there are certain men that crept in unaware who were before of old ordained for condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ or the grace of God into lasciviousness. And by that, they deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of God. You can just do whatever you want now. You can just, you don't even read your Bible. You don't have to read your Bible. You don't have to pray. You don't have to, you don't. It's true. You don't have to do any of that. You get to. Anybody tells you that you don't have to, there's something wrong. So so then uh, then we jump over into um, verse 10, because we need to talk about this root. We're not going to get all the way to it, but we'll get a little bit here. Verse 10, but these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know is naturally like brute, brute beasts, and those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they are like Cain. Cain was religious. Cain, God told him about the tithe, but he was going to give him a pumpkin. He 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 was going to do things that he not no blood sacrifice for him. He was going to grow something in his garden and give it to God. He ignored the blood sacrifice, and without the shedding of blood, my Bible says there's no remission for sin. And so he got himself in trouble there. So the way of Cain. Then he said they run greedily after error like Balaam. Well, Balaam, it was the root of all evil. If you find out that he he was in love with the money, he was all in it for the bucks. And he perished, and he perished like Korah. Or read about Korah. He was, he was full of re- rebellion. And then in verse 12, it says they were spots in shallow water. No, it says that they were rocks. It literally says they were rocks in shallow water to upset your boat. Feeding themselves without fear, clouds without rain, carried about by the winds, Trees whose fruit withers without fruit. This is the one, the part that, uh, that amazes me. It says twice dead and plucked up by the roots. That verse would trouble a backslider. Twice dead. I thought once you were born again. That's what I think too. I'm just saying that that verse would trouble me if I was backslidden. Twice dead. It's kind of, yeah, but it's kind of like when you think about Mark's gospel and he talks about the parable of the sower and he gets down as far as verse six and he says, they had no root in themselves. And for a little while they were, they managed, but then they withered and dried up and they were gone. 
it just makes you, it's sobering to think that I might have been so close and lost it. Maybe it's not true. I, again, you can, I can show you a bunch of scriptures for once saved, always saved, and then I can show you some like that where you're wondering, you're wondering about the, twi- the five wise and the five foolish virgins, and you're looking for an explanation, but you never get one that really satisfies you. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying it, it's just good. It's just good. It's like, it's like I put on Facebook today. There's only two races on the earth. You're either racing toward heaven or you're racing toward hell. And the one toward hell is paved. <laughs> and it's wide. And it's easy. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. That looks like that'll straighten you up too. I'm so glad that I found Habakkuk 2.14, that his glory will cover the earth as the waters covered the sea, and, and that he's going to manifest his glory according to Isaiah 60 and all that. So there's some good things coming, and I'm done. God bless you. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.